0: the long run, passivity won't pay off. It never pays off. If you want a life of meaning and transcendence, you're going to have to move. Aggression doesn't have to be toxic or damaging. Healthy aggression risks. It builds new things. It breaks through barriers. It's the key to living a life that matters. I'm Brian Tome, and this is The Aggressive Life. You very few people reach the upper echelons of the National Football League, let alone win a Super Bowl as a player and a coach, let alone get to talk to such a person. Well, today we get to talk to such a person on The Aggressive Life. We're talking about legends, legends like Mike Ditka, Tom Flores, Tony Dungy, And our guest today, current head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, Doug Peterson. Doug spent the majority of his professional career playing with the Green Bay Packers. He served as a backup to Brent Favre and a holder on place kicks, winning Super Bowl 31. And after retiring as a player from the NFL in 2005, Doug spent four seasons at a high school football coach in Louisiana, but he had more to prove. In 2016, he was hired as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. In his only second season, the team went 13-3. and Despite being underdogs in the playoffs, Coach Peterson led his team to victory in Super Bowl 52 over the New England Patriots. God bless America. Bring home (laughs) the first Lombardi trophy and franchise. Anybody who beats the New England Patriots is a friend of mine. He has plenty to teach us about perseverance, hard work, and what it takes to get the best out of others. I'm beyond excited to welcome to the Aggressive Life coach Doug Peterson welcome the aggressive life coach <laughs> hey Brian thank you so much for having me on that's that's uh, that's a lot of energy right there for that
1: intro I do appreciate it
0: dude this is uh, this has been a fantasy of mine being with you a little backstory that uh, others may not know we do a Super Bowl of preaching at crossroads which is my day job it's uh, the largest attended service we do every year and um, last the last year we did it uh, and when I say largest. I don't know. There's, I don't know how many tens of thousands of people. Uh, they're just a lot. So some guy comes up front at the church. I have this little room in between services I go to. It's at multiple campuses. It's streaming all over the country. And this guy comes forward at one of the campuses and says, hey, um, um, I'm Doug Peterson, a Super Bowl coach. I, su- I assume that's what you said. I don't know. But someone comes back and gets me in the room where I am between. They say, hey, there's a there's a, a Super Bowl coach here in the room. Would you like to meet? I'm like, there is no Super Bowl. Real legitimate. There, that is that is not true. I open the door. In you walk in. And I'm going, my goodness, you were there. Just amazing. So Doug and I had an amazing ability to connect for a bit. And we've uh, been doing some text and emails. So this is a fantasy being able to have you on the po- podcast. Doug, thanks for being here.
1: Oh man! Thanks again, Brian, for having me. Yeah, that was a great weekend. We were just in just in uh, visiting our son that weekend, you know, and and uh, in Cincinnati, and just had a chance. He he'd been coming to your church. He and his, and his girlfriend at the time, now fiance, but uh, yeah, what a what a what a awesome Sunday service to go see the uh, the Super Bowl of preaching. You know that that weekend, it was a lot of fun, and and uh, obviously one of your one of your co pastors there is from Philadelphia, so. Uh, had a chance
0: to meet him and and come back and meet you. It was a great time. Let's talk about you, Doug. Enough about enough about other stuff. Just reading your bio here, it, it is really stunning that you covered as much ground professionally as you did in a in a, as I read it, a pretty short period of time. You're out of the NFL. um you don't have you don't have. Hyper-huge success as a player, though anybody who gets to play in the NFL if they're third string riding the bench has massive success. I mean, you're just the elite of the elite to be able to get there. But you go from go from there to coaching high school and winning a Super Bowl as a coach not, not too much long after that. Connect the pieces for me. How, how, do you, how do you do that? How does one progress their career that quickly? Well, you know, for me, obviously... Having the opportunity to play in the
1: National Football League for so many years and 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 meet so many uh, coaches and players and And obviously, one of my mentors, even today is Andy Reed, you know, uh, head coach there of the of the Kansas City Chiefs who just won the Super Bowl this past year. Uh, but for me, it was a matter of I, I always felt like coaching was in my future. Coaching was my uh, was sort of my career path that I wanted to go down and 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 even when I stepped away from football, you know, after the 2004 season, I still didn't know exactly which avenue was it going to be—high school, college, or professional football—that I wanted to get into, and and so I stepped away from the game. But I got into high school coaching for four years in Shreveport, Louisiana. But I always stayed in touch with Andy Reid and a lot of my you know uh, close friends and dear friends in the National Football League at the time, and and then four years later, fast forward, I, I you know did the did the high school thing and really loved. Coaching and teaching and mentoring young uh, young kids and, and watching those those boys just develop and have you know turn into to young men go off and and either play college athletics or, or go to college and graduate get married have success it was a lot of, a lot of fun to see that obviously transpire but I jumped right back uh, Coach Reed had an opportunity for me and and I came back into the National Football League and and uh, 2009 I got I jumped back in as a coach and. And really from there, I, I kind of rode Coach Reed's coattail, so to speak. And and, and he kind of mentored me and brought me up. I started out as you know a quality control coach, which is like the low man on the totem pole when it comes from coach from, from a coaching perspective. And then and then I I was promoted to you know quarterbacks coach for a couple of years. And then Coach Reed, you know, got got let go in Philadelphia and he merges in Kansas City and he brought me and and I became his offensive coordinator for three years, 2013, 14, and 15. And then I came back to to Philadelphia, you know, and and had the opportunity and was given the opportunity to become, you know, the head coach in in Philadelphia in 2016. So always having those connections and always just sort of, you know, continuing to have relationships with with guys like Coach Reed uh, gave me the opportunity. And, And I think looking back to the fact that I played so many years, I, even though I was a backup quarterback, I never really, you know, I never really had the the starting success, even though I, I, I think I started, I think it's a number of 17 games. I think is what I started. I think nine and nine in Philly and another, you know, eight or so there in, in, uh, in Cleveland, but having played uh, really gave me a, a great opportunity to come, come back to the national football league as a coach and, and been blessed and, and obviously, you know, to win a Super Bowl in my second year uh, is something that uh, is is still kind
0: of a surreal feeling for me, uh, even stunning. today. Utterly stunning. So, a lot of it you're saying is your the the networking relationships you were able to keep up enabled you to kind of progress. By any chance, have you heard of or seen the um, seen the the TV show Alone that's on Netflix? These people are out in the middle of the Arctic. Have you have you seen this at all? I have not seen that one. No, uh, I, ju- I just got done binging it recently and it, it just, it's just stunning. These people who are, are stuck out in the middle of nowhere for a $500,000 prize and they have nothing. They can have 10 items with them other than their clothes. Like they can have a bow and arrow, they can choose a fire stick, that kind of thing. And, and all these, just about all these folks were there because they were um, needing the money for their families. And some of these folks are going 60, 70 days hunting, killing, catching their own food, building their own. I mean, I'm talking about negative 10 degrees. I'm talking about bashing, bashing through ice with an ax, just crazy. And I just kept watching that going, man, if these people are this good, are this amazing over 60, 70, how can they possibly need money at home? Because somebody, somebody with that kind of stick-to-itiveness work ethic should be able to figure out the money piece. And as I thought about it, I thought, well, maybe it is that they haven't been able to figure out relational connections and how that impacts you financially. Sounds like you were pretty good at that. You know, it, it's something that I, I I felt like
1: even you know because again, I wasn't I wasn't the starter. I wasn't the you know the face of anybody's franchise. I just was the backup guy and and supporting the starter, supporting Brett Favre when I was in Green Bay, supporting Dan Marino when I was in Miami, you know, and Donovan McNabb in Philadelphia and guys like that it's just it's all about building those relationships for me and I felt like that even my four years in high school football and, and having to deal with you know kind of kind of coach up parents and and uh, you know uh, administrators and teachers and, and that just all I think has prepared me you know for this opportunity uh going into my fifth year now with the Philadelphia Eagles and you know, you can't you can't go through life doing doing things your own. You know, you just can't you just can't do it. You got to have a support system. You got to have people that you rely on and lean on and and trust and reach out to from time to time and a mentorship program. And that's why I continue to to try to build. And it's even with my current team. You know, building the relationships with the players and and um, you know, it's just it's just something that uh, I, I think I've I've learned over the course of my of my NFL playing days.
0: Well we never I never know exactly where I want to take the conversations but this is a this is a deep one here man this is this is really interesting um you're you're basically displaying a level of relational intelligence which I'm not finding a lot of places a, a, a value in fact I saw it when we first met like you you didn't have to come back to 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 see us and then when you did, I kept thinking you were going to come in and just go like Okay, good to see you have I kind of made my appearance in some way. Like you we were sitting hanging out. I, I felt like after 10 minutes with you, in fact, we almost watched the Super Bowl that day, that day together. you were gonna come up to my house and hang out, but your that's your right. son, that's your right. son was stuck in the hotel. You there was that there is definitely a relational component that's natural to you, that you've worked on, that's gotta be helpful for you. If you if you traced it way back, where did you learn that? I think that um I I learned it, I
1: saw it through my, my parents, obviously. Um You know, and how they how they raised us as 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 kids, Um, and then and then really for me too. I think just it just kind of it kind of comes with with just the 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 time, the territory, just understanding that um, you know. And 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 as I as I got older, and as I continued to play, and even my time in Green Bay as a player, I watched Mike Holmgren was uh, you know was our coach when we when we won the Super Bowl, and then obviously he he went back with the Seahawks and and all of that. But I was able to watch coaches like that. Don Shula, uh, legendary coach in Miami. I was able to watch him, Mike Holmgren, you know, coach Reed, these guys. And even, even, uh, even my high school coaches and my college coaches, just being able to, to watch them and see how they interact with people and, and how they rely on so many people to get, to get the job done. And I think that has just sort of mentored me uh, you know, through my career. Um, but it all started with my mom and dad and how they
0: and how they built the relationships with us as kids. It really is a skill to learn how to interact with one another. And I might even say it's it's an attitude of aggressiveness that most people don't do. Most people I, I see who like being aggressive or, you know, physically aggressive or verbally aggressive, maybe boarding on abusive. But aggression, meaning I'm going to take control of my life. I'm going to do something today. I'm going to push... To actually do that in the relational realm, that's a huge thing. I think that's also why we're hurting so much the country with the COVID-19 right now. We just, we can't be relational with one another. How are you doing with the whole whole COVID stuff? And as a relational guy, probably having to be a lot less relational. Yeah, you are. And that that's the part that,
1: that has been probably the hardest to get used to, you know, because, you know, we missed an entire offseason with our players being, being in our building, being in our facility. We did a lot of these, you know, Zoom or Microsoft Teams meetings uh, from, you know, way back in April all the way through to, you know, to the middle of part of June. And, you know, that's the part I miss. I miss being around the players this spring and my coaches. You know, it's just something I, I just can't wait to get back into the building, can't wait to get back around the players and, and uh, you know, continue continue what we did in in the spring. It's just something that's, uh, but, it, but it was it was hard. It was it was hard to do, but, but we managed it. And, you know, it's 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 uh, it's something that, that we'll learn from as we move forward, even even after, you know, after uh, these next few months pass.
0: How good was it when you could actually go to a stadium and you could scream and drink beer? What, what is our world? Co- I mean, honestly, who would have thought that we would go months and months and months in the good old USFA not being able to scream and drink beer at a sporting event? That, that honestly, that is utterly mind blowing. And it's mind blowing that us as leaders have, have had to learn new skills that we never thought that we would learn. I haven't been in the room, in the room with our staff, all our staff in a room for what, four months now? I tell you what, there is vision drift when a leader can't get with his folks. We're doing the Zoom calls and all that stuff, but it's just—it's just tough. Well, uh, well, how are you leading during the COVID-19? How are you? How are you? How have you adapted? I haven't been in our building since March 13th. That was the last time that uh,
1: you know my coaches and myself were, were together as a as a as a unit um, was March 13th, and we've been away ever since, doing doing these types of you know formatted. Uh, meetings not only with the with the staff and the and the players. But at first I, I really didn't know. I, I thought that maybe it would go a couple of weeks and then we'd be back in the building and and everything would be okay. But obviously it lasted and it's still continuing to last much longer than than I think we all had anticipated. But for me, instead of making excuses uh that we couldn't be in the building together, we couldn't be around each other, uh, we weren't going to have an off season with our players to be on the grass you know instead of making any kind of excuse that we could we we and myself and being a leader i had to embrace that i had to show enthusiasm i had to show and and you're absolutely right you you learn different skills i mean you know you you learn how to do things and be creative whether it's whether it's virtual workouts from our you know from our from our strength conditioning staff to have virtual workouts with our players and be able to put them in in pods and they're all over the country, but yet they can still work out virtually on the same, on the same call, bringing in guest speakers, to speak to the team, little Q and A, just like, just like this to address the football team, you know, to have a staff meeting. We're, we're not making excuses. We're going to embrace it. And, and, and whatever, whatever direction we go in the future, we're going to embrace that as a football team and as an organization. And um, for me, um, being able to spend this much time at home has allowed me to, to connect with my kids, connect obviously with my wife during this time. And just to get that breath of fresh air where you, you kind of slow down. I mean, we, we were, you know, in, in our world in the, in the NFL, it, it's a fast paced world. It, it goes by so fast. And, and this has really allowed me to slow down, take a deep breath. Focus on what I want to focus on. Focus on my message. Focus on the team. Focus on my staff. Focus on my family, and 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 really and really dive into that, and 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 then and then obviously prepare for hopefully uh, this upcoming year.
0: So as we're about halfway through 2020, complete roller coaster of a year. That's probably the most positive thing I could say about the roller, about the year is roller coaster. That assumes there are some highs. <laughs> there are not many highs this year. But has there been anything that you have learned or you've experienced in, these, uh, in, in this year that you think, I think that might be part of my life permanently going forward? Is, are, any, are there any mindsets? Are there any patterns? Are there any interaction, interactional data with your wife? Anything that you're doing that, or you've had to do that you think, this, this could be just permanent? I think the biggest thing is what what it's taught what has taught me,
1: not only as a coach, but but as a leader, even even the leader of my family, is that it's okay to take a step back from life sometimes and just just paw, hit, kind of hit the pause button and just take a deep breath. Just kind of kind of exhale just a little bit and, and slow down from from the fast paced, you know, lifestyle that that we all seem to live. And I think as coaches too, we we spent so much time. You know, we, we went back old school. Uh, I was picking up my phone, actually, and, and calling college coaches when we were getting and preparing for the NFL draft back in April and having to do things, you know, by, by telephone again or or sending emails or whatever it did, But it just allowed me enough time just to slow down, see the big picture. Um, and, and now moving forward, um, you know, you can spend more time at home. You can do you could have these meetings um, in the off season, like we just did. You know, I, I I don't think you substitute being around your team and your players. You can't do that. But preparing for the draft, maybe, or or you know, uh, preparing your staff for the off season, allowing those people to just to kind of separate, be at home, you know, spend three to maybe four or five weeks, whatever it is, at home during the off season, where you're still getting work done. But you're also at home around your family, and, and, and it's so important for me to, to have family involved with what we do. Uh, I encourage my staff to, you know, have their families involved, having their kids involved if they want to come to practices and obviously games and things like that. But that's what it's really taught me. It's taught me to really just, just slow down, see the big picture. Uh, I can still get my work done, still be productive, still be efficient, uh, even though that I'm working
0: from, from home. When you went from being a player to a coach, what were some of the transitions mentally you had to go through? Were you always preparing to be a coach while you were a player? Did you find that when you became a coach, it was just kind of a next progression? I mean, people go from one role to another, oftentimes falter. But you went from one role to another, obviously a hyper-promotion, and you exceeded. Why do you think that is? Well, I think my... Part of the part of the answer is you know my last couple
1: of years uh, as a player in the National Football League kind of gave me I think a sense of what coaching was all about when I when I was in Green Bay when I was backing up Brett Favre and 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 sort of helping him on game days helping him you know prepare and study during the week and 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 get the game plan down and do all of that and and that that right there was sort of leading me down this path of coaching and and then I think just being honestly, being a backup quarterback, you're always having, you always have to be ready. You always have to be prepared. And it's really no different than, uh, you know, taking that now and and becoming a head coach of a team or or a CEO of a business, just taking those opportunities and what you learned and, and applying. I think, I think again, having been in a, in an NFL locker room, I think has helped. I know the dynamic of what locker rooms are about you know, we talked about building and cultivating, you know, relationships with players and I know what that's about. I've seen that work, but there's also the fine line where you you can, you know, you've got to, you've got to maintain that head, head coach um, sort of stigma, you know, as they say. And, and that's something that, that is, that has been, I think the hardest thing for me is because I want to, I want to be down there in the locker room with the players all the time around them, you know, just like I was as a player. And, And now sometimes, you know, you're up, you're up here in the, you know, the, you're, you're, the locker room's downstairs, you're upstairs and, and you're, you're a little bit isolated and separated from the players. But, you know, for me, it's just a matter of just continuing to, um, you know, whether I'm on the field or, or if a player has, you know, uh, maybe, maybe there's something going on in their life and, and you can see it because it affects them on the field, right. It affects their, their whole demeanor. And, and, and so for me, that's, that's, what's, that's what's so special about leading the football team is because I get to I get to shape it and, and do it the way I think it should be run. I mean, is it right? I don't know. Is it wrong? I don't know. But it's but it's the way that I feel like I should lead the football team, and and being able to reach out to
0: players that way has been uh, has been something that I've really enjoyed. That's a fascinating line you said. You said I have to maintain the stigma of being the head football coach. I, I assume you're talking about there is a healthy degree of separation and and an aura of leadership that you have to maintain. I have not heard many people talk about that. Just talk about how that works out for you and and the NFL and your leadership.
1: Yeah, because, you know, not not every player feels comfortable coming up to the head coach's office, right? I mean, or or even to their position coach's office. It was that way when I was a position coach. It was, you have, you know, your, your degrees of separation where, as a position coach and I was a quarterback coach, so I was with the quarterbacks all the time. And then you become an offensive coordinator and and you, you remove yourself from say the quarterbacks, but now you're in charge of the entire offense. Now you've removed yourself even more. Now you're one of 32 head coaches in the national football league. And, and it separates a little bit more. So there's always that sort of that stigma of, of man, you know, he's the head coach. I can't go talk to him. I can't go to his, you know, I can't go up to his office. It's just, it's always been that way as players. You know, it's just hard for players to come upstairs. And, and I've always given my team, you know, I've always told them that, listen, it's always an open door policy with, with me and with all my coaches. And, and uh, I, I encourage the guys to come upstairs and, and talk and sit and sit. Wh- whatever's going on, it doesn't even have to be uh, football related, you know, it can be life related. And um, I enjoy having those conversations with players. But for me, it's a, it's a matter of trying to eliminate that stigma interjecting myself with the team, showing them that, Hey, listen, you know, I pull my pants up just like you do. Um, And, and, you know, even though I have, I'm the head coach, I may not have all the answers. I don't have all the answers and, and we're going to figure stuff out together. I think that's, you know, I think that's why we've had success in Philadelphia, even these last couple of seasons is because we've, we've been able to roll up our sleeves as a team. We've eliminated all, uh, sort of the, those stigmas and that aura around coaches and players.
0: And and we go to work and, and that's, that's what's worked for us. And, and we'll continue to do that. What's, what's the differences and similarities in coaching and leading high school kids and coaching and leading professional athletes? Paychecks. Paychecks. That's it. <laughs>
1: Honestly, it's, it's, it's the same thing because I, I remember thinking about, um, and, and, thinking back, you know, on my high school days and watching those kids and how, how hungry they were for, for information and, and they want to succeed. They want to have success not only on the football field, but also off the football field. And that's, that to me was the ultimate being, being able to teach and being a teacher and, and instructing. And I think it's, it's, it's identical today, even though, you know, we're dealing with, you know, multimillionaire, um, million dollar, you know, salaried athletes, it's it's no different the, these guys are hungry they, they want to be coached they want to be taught and and they you know i enjoy watching them succeed on the field and then and ultimately winning games and then ultimately winning you know a super bowl so there's there's really not a lot of a right. lot of differences the kids are, these players are all the same
0: everyone wants to be led and led well don't they whether you're whether yeah. you're an, a high school athlete a professional athlete whether you're four years old in the home or whether you're 30 years old in the home, I find my kids, I keep thinking I'm done leading them. I keep thinking I'm done parenting them, but no, it never ends, man. They, they want dad on his game. Right. And you know, and, and they, they, they want to see,
1: they want to, and I know being around my players and my guys, and I know our roster changes every year. I mean, that's just the way the business is, but they want to see authentic, real, transparent guys, right? They, they don't want to see these, these players are, these players are smart. They're, they're well-educated. They understand what's going on, but it's the same way with, 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 you know, parenting with, I have, I have three boys and my wife and I, they they want to see authenticity. They want to see transparency. They want to see that we're real. And, and, you know, even though as dads, sometimes we, we try to walk around and and we have the, the Superman mentality, like we can do everything and we'll, when we will do anything and everything for our kids, it's okay to, to say, hey, let's let's figure this out together. I don't have all the answers and, and that's what these players really want.
0: Your first season, you come in the NFL, you go seven and nine. I mean, that's not that bad. I've never coached a seven and nine record in the NFL, <laughs> but uh, you probably weren't hyper happy with that. How did you process that after your first, first go around? Yeah, seven and nine,
1: and, and actually, um, I there were seven. There were seven head coaches uh, when I was hired. I was one of seven that that year in two thousand and uh, in sixteen. And uh, I was I was of the seven. I was I was the last uh, as far as you know rated head coaches. That'll I make you feel eight. good. Jeez. I was the seventh one. Like, there's no way Doug Peterson should be a head coach in the National Football League, and. Um, and even after that first season, seven and nine, those, you know, those same people were were saying the same things, like they, uh, you know, shouldn't have hired Coach Peterson, blah blah blah. And you know, it was just a matter of just tuning all of that out and, and and going back to work with the same group of guys, and and you know, nothing nothing changed. I mean, we had the same we had the same team, you know, same same group of guys, and and uh, it's just a matter of getting them to believe in in, in me, uh, which they did. And uh, the success we had was, um, you know, obviously paramount because we we ended that year uh, with with a uh, Super Bowl, you know, championship.
0: That is ri- that is ridiculous, my God! I'm, I'm looking at your, your 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 zoom screen right now. You have two Lombardis behind you. What I, the one is for the Eagles? What's the other one from? From Green Bay. I, I went when I when I when I did these when I did these trophies
1: after after my uh, my Super Bowl win in Philly. I do have the one over over my left shoulder, which is my Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl 52. And the one over my right here is from Green Bay when we, when we uh, beat the Patriots again uh, in Super Bowl 31 in New Orleans. I went ahead and got that one made up for me uh, as well. So just a little reminder, uh, been, been to three Super Bowls in my career, uh, two as a player, one as a coach, and, and uh, had, had the success and the, uh, obviously the, 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 the opportunity to win two of them.
0: The Patriots have to hate you. They, Doug Peterson, it's just the name Doug Peterson makes him go, oh, 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 just, just, just totally freaks them out. You're the Patriot killer.
1: No, but trust me, <laughs> they're, they're not afraid of Doug Peterson. There's
0: there's no way. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, another thing that's uh, that's interesting about your reputation is uh, I remember before I knew you, and I was just watching pregame for that uh the Super Bowl victory that you had as a coach and reading stuff beforehand, there was quite a, quite a bit of buzz around your Christian faith, quite a bit of buzz around the faith component in the Philadelphia Eagles locker room. Is, is that something that's normative for other NFL teams or is there something unique that's happening with you and the Eagles?
1: I, I, you know, it's hard to speak for other teams, but I would say for, for me and for the, for the Eagles, it's, um, it's how I want to lead the football team. You know, I, I think my faith, my faith is first and foremost. Um, I wouldn't be sitting here today, obviously, you know, um, without, without my relationship, you know, with, with Jesus Christ. And, and, and I, and I, you know, I'm not ashamed to say that. And, and I even said that on the podium after the Super Bowl that, uh, you know, that, that all of the success is because of him. And, and so, you know, and it's something that I don't, I, I, I speak, I speak of it um, in, in in ways where the team can understand. I, I I do, I do want them to understand that I am a, a man of faith and, and, and my relationship with Jesus Christ and all of that. But at the same time, it's not something that I'm, you know, just I'm, 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 I'm beating the players over the, over the head with, I, I feel like, you know, I can, I can help maybe um, help, teach, I can help instruct, I can help lead, uh, this way. And, and then, and then having players that, uh, also are, are, are Christians that they can obviously take my lead and they can, you know, and they can work it, uh, work it through the locker room. So it's, it's just something that that I, I truly believe in. It's, it's how, um, it's, it's where I am, you know, uh, as, as a coach and, and I continue to, to lead my team based on, you know, my relationship with, with Christ and, and and how He
0: instructs me on a daily basis. With you, though, um, in leading an organization where obviously not everybody in the locker room is a person of faith or has interest in it, you're, you're, but you must obviously be doing it in such a way that you're not running over people, you're not offending people, you're not... Uh, Um, obviously not everybody who's on your roster is, is a believer, but everybody is on the page, on the team. Is there any things that you do as a leader of faith that you think people in the boardroom or in their own businesses could do with, with people who report to them that don't share their faith? Any, any secrets you've learned? The the only thing that I've learned, um, you know, being in this,
1: in this role. And I even did this when I was a coordinator in Kansas city and, uh, you know, is I, as I encourage, I, I do, a, for instance, I do, I, I do a coach's Bible study that, you know, just invite the coaches if they want to come and in, in, in on a Friday morning, you know, during the season and, and spend 30 minutes in the word, you know, um, great. I, I encourage the players, the players have, you know, Bible studies during the, during the week and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, everybody's different. Every, everybody's level of faith is different. Um, not everybody is a believer, but for me, it's it's taking what I've read that day, taking a little nugget. It might be from scripture. It might be something from an author or a book that I'm reading at that particular time and and being able to sort of intertwine that into my message to the team, you know, on, on a, in a team meeting set, setting, maybe on a Tuesday morning or, a, you know, or even, even a, even a Saturday night before the game where I can, I can really sort of connect with with the uh, with the team that way, and I think that for me has been good little subtle ways to 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 sort of interject my faith with the team without having to be you know an, an abrasive, bold, over the top. Um, you know, I, not not that I don't want I don't want to preach at them because that's that's not that's not what they want. But but I can do that in a subtle, unique way that that, that uplifts me and it uplifts the team, and we're
0: all encouraged by that. Has there been a a Bible verse that's been on your mind during this season, more so than in any other season, any verse you've seen, Oh, this kind of sums up what I've been feeling or, or what we've been going through the last several months.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, my, obviously my, my favorite verse and, and it's it, one of, of many, but Philippians 4.13 and I keep it, I keep it, I got a little plaque here on my desk and, and I think about that verse when I, when I, when I see it, I think, you know, I can do all things. And, and 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 I know that bottom line my strength comes from Jesus Christ that's where it starts right I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and, and 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 that's where it starts for me and and so with that being able to do all this stuff we did and get everything done and accomplished you know this off season, outside of you know we missed we missed the grass time with the players but we got a lot of stuff done and and, and it's because of that and I think about and I see that verse every day. It sits right here on my desk and at home. And, and uh, that has really motivated me and encouraged me through this time.
0: Doug Peterson, are you ready for the lightning round? This is how we conclude our podcast. This is, this is going to test your mettle. We're going to see what you're made of. Are, are, you, are you up for the lightning round? Let's go. All I'm right. ready. All right. Because right. okay. I know you're always firing people up. I'm going to fire you up. I, I think you could do it. I'd like to see 100% effort from you right now. I wanna see everything in your mind put into these answers because I believe in you, Doug Peterson. I believe you have capacities that you've never thought of before, that if you band together with your brothers, stuff will happen that will be amazing. Let's go. (laughs) Okay, all right, here (laughs) we go. Favorite memory from your days as as a player? Super Bowl 31. Okay, did you like what, on the sideline when the game ended, or what? Just Green Bay Packers that that
1: whole that whole season. Uh, we were thirteen and three. Uh, we won the NFC North back then, uh, and and went on went on to win the Super Bowl that year. Was, that was the, that was the first
0: of back to back Super Bowls. Favorite football memory that was on the field.
1: 1993, I was the quarterback on the field to, to win uh, the game that gave Don Shula uh, the all-time winningest uh, active NFL coaching record at 325 uh, career victories for him. And uh, everybody thinks it was Dan Marino back then or Scott Mitchell, but it was it was Doug Peterson that was <laughs> on the field. And, and, and what's ironic about the whole thing is that we beat the Philadelphia Eagles – in Philadelphia
0: for that win. That is one of the most interesting lightning round answers I've ever heard. That's good. Okay. The day after you won the Super Bowl, what got you out of bed?
1: I didn't really sleep much that night. Just, just Just thinking of coming back to Philadelphia that next day on Monday morning, getting on that plane, coming back to Philly, to, to a city that uh, was on fire. that that, to me was was motivation of of getting out of bed and and preparing for that day. Most aggressive decision you've made in the NFL. Well, obviously, the fourth and one at the goal line in the Super Bowl called the Philly special. that, that <laughs> me, but actually, actually, that probably wasn't the most difficult decision. It was actually later in that game in the fourth quarter, we were faced with another fourth and one. At around our own forty-yard line, and I made the with about six minutes to go in the game, and I made we were we were losing uh, at the time, and I made a decision to go for it. There, we got it, went down and scored the game-winning touchdown, uh, or really the the touchdown to put us ahead in that in that football game. That was probably the more gutsier call than than the Philly special.
0: Gosh, this this is a problem, Doug. I fire you up for the uh, lightning round, and then I break the rules because so oftentimes someone gives a gives a answer that's great, and I just want to like oh let's talk about that more. Okay, pause on the lightning round just for a moment before we get back to it. Why is this? This is called this is called the aggressive life, and like you just nailed it here. Like you won the Super Bowl because you made some aggressive moves. How many times have we seen teams go into the pre-fend defense? They start getting passive. This is predict where we are, and like the team of what is that about the mindset of a coach that wants to conserve or be passive? but we see again and again, the NFL, like the, 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 the math seems to say the more aggressive you are, the more it's going to work out for you. Just right. No, what tell, inform me. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Obviously,
1: you know, you, you look at the numbers, you look at the math, but, but for me, it's about preparing the team. It's, it's, if, if, if I hadn't prepared my team that spring, that training camp, all of that season for those moments, there's no way you make that decision. Then you, then you punt the football, and then hopefully you stop the Patriots. I mean, there was only one punt in the football game and it was by us, but if I, if I'm not preparing my football team, you know, uh, for, for those moments, then, then, uh, then, then, yeah, you, you punt the ball and, and you move forward. Our, our team expected us to go for the Philly special. They expected us to go for the fourth and one later in the game. They just had so much confidence in themselves and I had confidence in them that we could get the job done. And that's really, uh, you know, the bottom line with us.
0: What does this, this is, this is for all the coaches out there, I'm, I'm thinking especially high school coaches, peewee coaches, JV coaches, what does it take to be a great coach? It takes integrity, it takes
1: character, it takes honesty, be transparent. Obviously you gotta be a great leader and a great teacher um, and you gotta be a mentor and, and, and to me, and you got to have convictions and beliefs in in you in, in, in me and, and that's where it starts.
0: What would you tell the youngster, the peewee, the junior high kid, the JV, the varsity kid, what do you tell them when they have dreams of making the NFL? You have to go
1: after those dreams. you got to believe in those dreams. Um, I was I was one of those kids that had that same desire. You know, and motivation. And
0: um, I wasn't gonna let anything stand in the way of my of my opportunity and my dreams. It's interesting you mentioned that verse earlier, and that's all for the lightning round. Great job. Great job, Coach Peterson. You you mentioned before you. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That Philippians 413 verse. I mean, that's really where a dream is, right? It's it's something that I can't do on my own. If I could do it on my own, it wouldn't be a dream. It'd be something I'd have in my pocket right now. It's it's something where I need the grace of Christ to, to intervene. It's something where I need him to, to come and, and help me get to, the, to my next place. I don't know. Anything else you want to kind of blow out in terms of that verse and dreams? I was here, like I said, it's been my favorite verse, but that's been my life. You know, I, I was
1: never I was always the underdog. I was always the one that people were always sort of second guessing and, and uh, I never let that stand in the way of, of my dreams and, and my goals. And, and bottom line is that, that Christ is bigger than all of that. And, and he carried me through a lot of difficult situations in my career and in my life and has and put me in this position today. And, and so you know, there's gonna be a lot of garbage piled on top of you you know, over your career, especially, especially, uh, as, as athletes, as, as coaches, I mean, we're in this spotlight every single day, right? The, the media spotlight, the social media spotlight and, um, things get dumped on us all the time. We're not good enough. We're, you know, we, we, we can't do that. We can't do this. We make poor decisions, but bottom line is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, and, and I don't, I don't believe, and I don't live, I don't, I don't lead my life, you know, believing believing that lie that, that the negative on top of me. I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be bigger than that. I'm gonna overcome all of that.
0: Amen. All right, so Doug, this has been a, this has been a great time. Is there is there any um, anything else you want to talk about that we haven't asked you about, or anything you wanna you wanna push that we haven't uh, mentioned? Uh, th- this is your time to help people connect with whatever you want them to connect with any place you want them to follow you on or books you want them with. give us an advertisement, Doug. Well, obviously there is a book
1: fearless. It's the book I wrote after the Super Bowl. Um, it, it just talks about, it just talks about how an underdog becomes a champion and, and really, and I, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, you know, that, that's been my, that's been my professional career as a player. That's kind of been my, uh, you know, my, my professional career as a coach is just always having the underdog mentality, right? I mean, even though, even though you're on top and you win the championship and all that is you have to start over right the next year. And, and so I, I put that book together and it's just a, it's just sort of a, I don't know, it's kind of my mind's eye, I guess, on, on how, how we got you know, that team that year to the Super Bowl. And it's, listen, it's not about me. You know, it's, it's, it's never about me. It's never about one person. That, and I, I preach that a lot to my football team. It's not about one guy. And I made a statement that one guy can make a difference, but a team can make the miracle. And, and it's so true. You know, when you're dealing with so many uh, individuals and, and, and collectively coming together uh, to, to win just a game, but let alone win a, win a championship is, is something pretty special. And, and, and so for me, it's just, you know, being and, and staying as humble as I can and, and, and never getting, you know, my parents used to say, you're getting, you're getting too big for your britches, right? And, and you never want to get that way and stay humble, stay grounded. Because if the, the second you let your guard down um, is when you're going to get beat or you're going to get defeated. And uh, I I never want to approach life that way. I never want to raise my family that way. My, my relationship with my wife that way, our marriage that way, and, and obviously the football team that way. So that's something that um, has been, you know, near and dear to my heart. That's kind of how I, I tick, I guess, uh, each, and every, each and every day. But again, it starts, it starts every morning with my quiet time, and, and uh, that really sets the tone for my day.
0: I don't think that message of fearlessness we can hear too much. I mean, America's not the land of the free. We're the land of the fear. We have more anxieties and stresses and fears, more seatbelts, helmets, insurance policies, more meds consumed than any culture in the history of the world. And I'm not against helmets and safety helmets and insurance policies. I have them all. I'm not. I'm not against meds. For some people, that's neurochemically necessary. I'm just saying, if we take a look at our culture, man, we 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 are emotionally. Sapped as far as creativity because we're just we're just crushed with fear, and I think this is also part of why the COVID nineteen just plays right into where we are. We're we're looking for things to fear. It's not good. So anytime someone's got a book to help us get our hands around that, that's that's great news.
1: Yep, you're absolutely right. And and you know I just I I, I feel for so many so many people who have lost their jobs or have lost loved ones through through this pandemic and. um you know, but but as as we say as a football team, and we have a we have a phrase that we use a lot, and it's kind of be our sort of the the mantra for the 2020 Philadelphia Eagles is is stronger together, and and if we stay united, stay connected, stay grounded, stay stronger, we're going to get through anything. We'll get through everything, and our country, uh, our country will get through this as well. And um, you know, uh, I, I'm just encouraged by that, and and uh, you know, wake up every day. You know, seeing where I can make a difference, uh, whether it be in our, you know, our community or with our team, and um, I truly believe that if we continue to stay strong, that that we'll get through this. Uh, we'll get through this together.
0: Doug, it's been an honor and pleasure, brother. Can't wait to see you guys winning, and um, and hoping to see you face to face again sometime. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks again. Hey, thanks for listening.